Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Prince Charles arrives in Barbados for transition from a Commonwealth. French government ready to discuss autonomy for restless Guadeloupe. Who names transmissible new COVID-19 variant Omicron? U.S. Virgin Islands governor says new scheme will permanently resolve the U.S. Virgin Islands government employees' retirement system insolvency crisis and pandemic to cause global tourism $2 trillion in 2021. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, November 29th. We start our report today in Barbados. Barbados Today reports that the guest of honor for Barbados's 55th Independence Celebration, who will see the island's transition from a Commonwealth realm to a parliamentary republic, has arrived. Charles, Prince of Wales, the heir to the British throne and the future head of the Commonwealth, descended from the Royal Air Force Airbus at 11.46 p.m. on Sunday to a red carpet welcome and a 21-gun salute for the monarch's representative. He was received by Dame Sandra Mason in the last hours of her role as Viceroy of Prince Charles' mother, Queen Elizabeth. She was joined in the welcome by Prime Minister Mia Motley, Foreign Minister Dr. Jerome Walcott, Minister of Maritime Affairs Kirk Humphreys, and other senior government officials. The Prince of Wales will witness the inauguration of Dam Sandra Mason as the island's first president in a ceremony that declares the world's newest republic and severs almost 400-year tie with the British crown. On Tuesday, Independence Day, the Prince will attend the National Honors Ceremony at Golden Square, where he and President Mason will receive the country's highest honor, the Order of Freedom of Barbados. In other related news, St. Lucia Times reports that Barbados's good relation with the Inter-American Development Bank are set to continue. This was hinted when the island's foreign affairs and foreign trade minister, Senator Dr. Jerome Walcott, sat down to a courtesy call with the newly appointed country representative with the Inter-American Development Bank Group, Vivian Del Carmen Alva Hart. Ms. Hart, who acknowledged that all countries were different, described Barbados as a very, very nice country and admitted to being readily acclimatized, having met with several officials during the first month of her stint. Minister Walcott, in acknowledging the contributions of the Inter-American Development Bank to the region and Barbados in particular, said that organizations had always shown its commitment to the island. Expressing gratitude, he stated, I most certainly want to commend the Inter-American Development Bank for the role it played in Barbados for the past 50 years as it relates to our economic and certainly social development of our country. The Foreign Affairs and Trade Minister stressed this commitment was signaled to with the recent sign of the country's agreement in 2019. The two officials also discussed the upcoming visit to Barbados by Inter-American Development Bank's president, Mauricio Claver Caron, and his senior management team, who are expected to meet with Prime Minister Mia Amor Motley. Several projects currently being undertaken with the Inter-American Development Bank were also flagged, most noticeably in the area of renewable energy and and training for digitization.
Barbados Today via the Caribbean Media Corporation reports that St. Lucia's former Prime Minister, Dr. Kenny Anthony, has called on the government of St. Lucia to follow in the footsteps of Barbados and move towards becoming a republic. In a message posted on his Facebook page, Anthony also pointed out to constitutional reform, stating that over the past few years, Barbados has achieved two constitutional milestones, which have surprised me. It has done the untinkable. For my part, we should tarry no further and collectively act together in unison to commence the process to repatriate our constitution to where it belongs in the sovereign will of our people, he said. Bahamanews.net reports that France is willing to discuss autonomy for the French Caribbean territory of Guadeloupe if it is in the interests of the people who live there, Government Minister Sebastian Lecornu has said following days of sometimes violent protests. Guadeloupe and the nearby French island of Martinique have seen several days of protests against COVID-19 measures that have spilled over into violence. Le Cornu, the Minister of France Overseas Territory, said in a YouTube video issued late on Friday that certain elected officials in Guadeloupe has raised the question of autonomy, changing its status as an overseas region. The government is ready to talk about this. There are no bad debates as long as those debates serve to resolve the real everyday problems of the people in Guadeloupe, he said while also condemning the violence. Le Cornu said the debate on giving more autonomy to deal notably with health was just one of a series of initiatives that the government in Paris would be taking in Guadeloupe. Other measures include improving health care infrastructure projects and a scheme to create jobs for some 1,000 young people. The French government this week announced it would be postponing the vaccine mandate for public sector workers in Guadeloupe and Martinique until December 31st. The vaccine mandate has sparked protests, but was also a pretext for voicing long-standing grievances over living standards and the relationship with Paris. In Guadeloupe and neighboring Martinique, where there is an historic mistrust of the French government's handling of health crises after many people were exposed to toxic pesticides known as chlordicone used in banana plantations in the 1970s. The pesticide, a known endocrine disruptor, wasn't banned until 1993, more than two decades after France was warned it was dangerous for human health. My View News reports via the Associated Press that an advisory panel of the World Health Organization on Friday classified a worrying new COVID-19 variant first detected in South Africa as a highly transmissible virus of concern, naming it Omicron under the Greek lettering system. The UN Health Agency also said earlier evidence on the variant has shown an increased risk of reinfection compared to other highly transmissible variants, indicating that people who contracted COVID-19 and recovered could be more subject to catching it again with Omicron. The WHO 
suggested that the variant could pose greater risk than the Delta variant, which was first detected in India and has been causing ravages worldwide. The WHO announcement marks the first time in months that it has classified a COVID-19 variant as the highly transmissible variant of concern. The classification also applies to Delta, which has become the world's most prevalent variant. It comes amid a surge in cases of Delta in Europe, in particular and at a time when many countries have eased lockdown measures and travel restrictions. Health officials are closely monitoring to see if current tools for testing, treatment and vaccination are affected by the Omicron variant. But the outside advisors said current PCR tests continue to detect it. Health officials are unsure where Omicron actually arose, but has now been seen in travelers from southern Africa to Belgium, Botswana, Hong Kong, and Israel. Variants of concern, which include Alpha, Beta, Delta, have shown to spread more easily, cause more serious disease, or dent the effectiveness of vaccines and other COVID-fighting tools. The advisory group faced spiraling worries about the variant as stock markets plunged and the European Union announced a pause to flights to and from southern Africa, just as it sought to lay out the real threat that it might pose even as uncertainties and a lack of complete data about it remain in its early phase. Omicron has a large number of mutations, and it takes weeks before scientists can assess its possible effects on vaccines, for example. Several Caribbean countries have now issued travel restrictions, such as Trinidad and Tobago. According to the St. Lucia Times report, Trinidad and Tobago Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley has imposed travel restrictions on travelers from eight countries over concerns of the new COVID-19 Omicron variant. The nine countries include Botswana, Eswatini, former Swaziland, Lesotho, Malawi, Mozambique, Nambia, South Africa, and Zimbabwe. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Public Finance Authority Board has approved an increase from $2 million to $2.6 million for services provided by Squire Patent Boggs, LLP, which has been providing the Bryan administration with legal services regarding securing funding to save the government employees' retirement system through scrutinization of the territory's internal revenue matching fund. The pension system is projected to collapse in under two years. According to the release issued by the U.S. Virgin Islands Public Finance Authority, the governing board convened a virtual video conference on October 22nd, where Governor Albert Bryant, chairman of the board, initiated discussions. 
Mr. Bryan said he had been working with members of the U.S. Virgin Islands legislature on a plan that would resolve the government employees' retirement crisis through a refunding of an outstanding matching fund bond. The Public Finance Authority release said that the extension entails increasing the not-to-exceed amount of the engagement from $2 million to $2.6 million. It remains a contingency fee agreement, which means Squire Patton gets paid only if the transaction closes, the PFA said. The increase in the not-to-exceed amount is warranted due to additional services needed to further the transaction, which failed to obtain legislative approval last year. There is compelling argument for acting on this fort attempt to pursue another matching fund securitization as interest rates remain not far off of historic lows and credit spreads remain relatively favorable for high-yield bonds, said Nathan Simmons, the PFA Director of Finance and Administration to board members. According to the release, Governor Bryan captured the underlying concerns of board members regarding the pending insolvency of the U.S. Virgin Islands Government Employees Retirement System with guarded assurance. This proposal will permanently resolve the untenable state of the government employees' retirement system unfunded liability, he said, according to the PFA. The resolution passed unanimously. Bahamanews.net via Voice of America reports that the coronavirus pandemic will cost the global tourism sector $2 trillion in lost revenues in 2021. The United Nations tourism body said calling the sector recovery fragile and slow. The forecast from the Madrid-based World Tourism Organization comes as Europe is grappling with a surge in infections as the newly heavily mutated COVID-19 variant dubbed Omicron spreads across the globe. International tourist arrivals this year remain at 70 to 75 percent below the 1.5 billion arrivals recorded in 2019 before the pandemic hit, a similar decline as in 2020, according to the body. The global tourism sector already lost $2 trillion or 1.78 trillion euros in revenues last year due to the pandemic, according to the United Nations World Tourism Organization, making it one of the sectors hit hardest by the health crisis. The United Nations body charged with promoting tourism does not have an estimate for how the sector will perform next year. Its medium-term look is not encouraging. Arrivals in some islands in the Caribbean and South Asia, as well as some destinations in Southern Europe, came close to or sometimes exceeding pre-pandemic levels in the third quarter. Other countries, however, hardly saw any tourists at all, particularly in Asia and the Pacific, where arrivals were down 95 percent compared to 2019, as many destinations remain closed to non-essential travel. 
Caribbean National Weekly reports that the Antigua and Barbuda government says that the state of emergency put into place to curb the spread of the coronavirus will end on December 23rd, but the established COVID-19 protocols shall still govern. In addition, the government said that effective December 15, all passengers arriving on the island should be fully vaccinated and shall also have a negative PCR test or a negative rapid antigen test no more than four days old. A statement issued following the weekly cabinet meeting noted that the government ministers had focus upon COVID-19 and assess its continued impact on Antigua and Barbuda, the Caribbean region, and upon several countries in Europe. In light of the resurgence in COVID-19 cases in several of the nation's tourism source markets, Cabinet repeats that all health protocols are to remain in place even during the new year. All citizens and residents are to continue to wear face masks. They are to continue to engage in sanitizing the hands and to engage in social distancing as far as is possible. The statement said that all bars and clubs and private parties over the Christmas holidays are to continue to request vaccine ID cards for entry. No other form of COVID-19 vaccination identification shall be accepted. It said that vaccination IDs issued overseas for tourists and returning nationals upon entry into Antigua and Barbuda will be accepted at bars and clubs. The statement said that the Central Board of Health and the law enforcement will monitor behaviors on the beach and at bars and clubs should it appear that rules are being disregarded. Regarding the need for all visitors to be fully vaccinated from December 15, the statement said that the technical working group has issued a list of approved rapid antigen tests that can be used to enter Antigua and Barbuda in lieu of the PCR tests. And finally, the Jamaica Observer reports that Sandals Royal Bahamian Spa Resort and Offshore Island is ramping up for an anticipated reopening on January 27th. Sandals Resorts International indicates that it has completely reimagined the all-inclusive resort in Nassau. The property is being renovated and management indicates it's well in advance with recruitment of nearly 1,050 members across several levels and varying departments. Training has commenced to welcome guests for the first time since closing in March 2020. During these phased training sessions, team members will be exposed to Sandals service standards, community involvement, and personal development opportunities through Sandals Corporate University. The property upgrade has been in planning for three years and is part of a much larger strategy across the organization to authentically reflect the unique Caribbean destinations where Sandals Resort operates in design, product offerings, and style of luxury service, the company indicates. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, November 29th. 
I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.